Here on Dumb Money, we often say we have an advantage over Wall Street experts. While they're busy poring over last quarter's sales data and margins and publishing their flawed buy and sell ratings, we are on the lookout for what's next. We can find trends faster than them and make that connection from a trending product to a brand to a company stock, particularly when it's a company that's figured out how to market to the critical Gen Z demographic. That's because, well, we watch a lot of TikTok. And we have a small army of you on our Discord looking for trends. You know, dumbmoney.tv slash Discord, 100% free if you want to be a part of that. Today on Dumb Money, we are revealing Wall Street's number one blind spot and how to profit from it. This is Dumb Money Live. Hey there, Dave here along with Chris and Jordan. We are Dumb Money. Welcome to Dumb Money Live. First off... I just have to thank everybody watching right now for helping get us to 100,000 subscribers. Congratulations, guys. Uh, it happened earlier this month. This is our first show since hitting that. And I'm not allowed to ask for anyone to um, push that button anymore because I, I made a deal with the audience. So uh, we're just going to have to, you know, if, if, if you're not subscribed, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Just, you know, whatever. Um, but we do need to remind you and the almighty algorithm that we are on by smashing the like button this morning. Chris, Jordan. D Dave, morning. when we hit 198,000 subscribers when we're 65 years old, there's zero <laughs> chance that you're not going to start begging people to, to share the subscribe with their friends again and get, you get us over there. Are we doing this show at uh, any, any type of age like that? Dude, what else do you have to do? What do you even do there? I don't even understand. <laughs> You're living in Mexico now. Like, what else could only, you only part of the year? What? And um, yeah, I have a lot of things to do every day. I have to figure out which taco stand I'm going to go to, and uh, you know, I have little projects around the house. It's it's really retirement lifestyle for sure. Oh my god, you're killing me, dude! <laughs> killing me. All right. So you you should be at your very best when it comes to investing right now with an absolute clear head because there is, should be zero distractions for you. There's no distractions. I, I occasionally have found myself putting CNBC on in the background just to have some some dialogue with with adult humans, but not, nothing like I, I'm not I'm not watching the market. I did see yesterday uh, Tesla's or the day before their earning call and uh Really, Twitter has been I, like I've been all over Twitter and what people are saying there. Do you do you have thoughts? I, I did see someone already comment today on uh, the Optimus shipping in twenty five. Wait, what happened with that? Did he did he announce something? I slept late this morning. He didn't. He didn't. Um, well, this was this was yesterday or the day before. I was reading about it yesterday. Um, Elon basically said that he thinks that they will be shipping some form of optimus in 2025 um maybe for pilots um but not outside of pilots i i don't think like i said did you, uh, you did should listen to what he said because did he, either of you guys read my tweet thread on optimus a couple days ago i did yes okay so i i spent literally a full week preparing that hey guys if you're if you're watching please go to my twitter and, and read it and share it um it went viral which was all this is my biggest tweet ever but I, I have, there's no way he's shipping in 25 outside of pilots. 27 is when I think they'll start shipping in any type of scale. And, you know, my estimate is, yeah, 
it's a ten trillion dollar company by two thousand thirty. I still feel that way. Um, but I don't think the bulk of that mm -hmm. shipping happens till two thousand twenty nine, two thousand thirty. Um, it's a million and a half bots by 2030 and most of it's happening in 29 and 30. It, and the reason for that guys is, is just the, the amount of feedback loop testing that any commercial or industrial, uh, client would need to do to really start ramping up the yeah. need. I don't want to get too into. Well, uh, and, and as Pedro is reminding us, he says 2025, but that's Elon time. So that could be yeah. 2035 for all we know. Right. Yeah, no, no, he'll, he'll be he'll be he'll be able to get these out. He'll be able to get these out in twenty seven, I think. Um, but we have non bot talk today. Finally, back to some old school social arb dumb money. Dave, what what is what's this episode about? What is this episode about? This episode <laughs> is about finding things before Wall Street does, and specifically finding. Finding trends and using our social arb trading strategy. Okay, but but here's here's what I think should be the overarching theme because I think people tend to think that each trend is a one-off and they just kind of happen or magically appear. And I think that the theme today is while yes, sometimes that does happen. Um, there's a method to the madness, and I think the number one thing that oh, that I think Wall Street's number one blind spot is their inability to identify brands and companies that have mastered viral marketing, specifically with Gen Z. And there are companies out there that have figured it out, and these are the companies that are winning today. So I, I think, did you guys ever read that article I sent you on the president of Stanley Cup, uh, who was responsible for this wild viral ride for Stanley Cup the last two and a half, three years? This guy is a marketing genius. His name is Terrence Riley. He's the global president of Stanley. I mean, if... if you guys haven't seen Stanley Cup out in the world trending in the last year. You're living under a rock. This is the hottest product. Uh, everybody knows about it now. Everyone's been... It, it almost hit that tipping point of, of being so popular that it's losing its popularity all of a sudden. And did you it's see... Because the it's too most, popular. The most it's recent Stanley news is that there is lead used in the manufacturing process. And if you're... Uh, the stainless steel bottom pops off. You might expose yourself to lead poisoning or something. Well, like, there's always going to be a story now. Yeah, just now, don't drink from the don't drink from the underside of the cup, and I think you'll be okay. But but the thing is, guys, Stanley, that wasn't just a. It didn't just happen before Stanley in 2013. He took a job, and ended up being CMO of what company? Crocs. So this is the guy that was responsible for the Crocs comeback. And then he went to Stanley in 2017 and did it all did it over again. again at Stanley. It's, um, a, it's actually a repeatable formula that I think more big companies are going to finally realize that if you go viral, you sell products. And there's a few that have done it well. And I think that that's where we just need to be on the lookout for the ones that are doing it next. And yeah, and we're early. going to talk about what we're trading with this theme 
in this episode today. I promise I'll get to a few trades before we close out the episode. But I think people need to understand the mindset of what these companies are doing differently. There's a really good Adweek uh, interview uh, with Terrence Riley, and everyone should go out and read it. But if you don't want to read it, kind of the, the one takeaway, uh, what do they focus on that others just don't seem to get? Uh, it's connection and culture. Okay. So that was my takeaway from the article mm -hmm. is that Stanley Cup and Crocs before it and Crocs still today, because they've kind of carried on uh, his marketing strategy after he left are these companies to be successful with Gen Z, you have to figure out how to truly authentically connect with those customers and you have to respect the culture. If you don't respect culture, and I don't mean employee culture, I mean the culture of fun, the culture of things being interesting, okay? The culture of making people laugh, the culture of being relatable to the way that this next generation talks, to the way that they live, okay? If you can't spend the time to understand that and then authentically connect with them and bring them into your marketing strategy, it's going to be very hard for your company to have success. So we'll talk about some companies today that are doing this um, that I think have benefited already, but but still have some benefit in front of them. Um, guys, I, I'm at I'm at a really big advantage here because I have uh, these kids that are and Jordan, you do too. You really have Gen. You well, I have kids that are Gen Z on the edge of Gen A. Yours are right there too. You have like Gen Z and Gen A. Uh, so you'll be able to get even more of an edge than me on this in the next few years. But Jordan, have you had any conversation in your house about this um, Sol de Janeiro sense? Are your daughters getting into Sol de Janeiro? So Sol de Janeiro, we've talked a lot about it on the Dumb Money Discord. For those of y'all that aren't in it, uh, the community, it's free. It's dumbmoney.tv forward slash discord. I tend to hang out in the trade research channel and there have been community members that have been talking about Sold de Janeiro forever. Uh, this is a product that's been trending all year. They're kind of best known for the Brazilian bum bum cream, uh, which trended this year. And I think the Brazilian bum bum cream is going to have a huge summer in 24 as well. Uh, but if you were just to Google trend, pull a Google trends chart on Sol de Janeiro, it's crazy. Like this is the best 60 days. Uh, the, the leap that they've taken from last year to this year for the holiday season is wild. And a lot of it are these kind of scented mist sprays that these teenage and preteen girls are just going crazy for it's like the number one thing that they go out and buy and gift and give each other every single one of them has it um now that th this is a brand that really gets gen z marking they, they just understand it um the problem is that they are a owned by a foreign company okay that only trades on the hong kong exchange it's a, La L 
Ocatane. I know I'm going to get in trouble for saying that wrong. (laughs) Ocatane International. (laughs) And their primary product or brand is actually like 70% of the company. So Sol de Janeiro was actually an acquisition that they did uh, a few years ago. And I believe it's only like 13 to 17% of the company. But the sales, I can't even imagine how much the sales are up this holiday season, year over year. 300%, 400%. I think it might be enough to move the needle, even though the primary division of this company is not doing well and they're trending down. So it's not a clean trade. It's a really risky trade. Uh, beyond that, and by the way, I want to state this before I state how I made this trade because it's not an easy trade to make. This is really not financial advice. This is this is my this is a trade that I'm doing. But I, I've been talking to the Discord community for a couple of months about this. I was like, I don't know if it could move the needle. I this could blow up uh, because w- we've been in situations where we found something trending really hard, but the bigger product of that company is not doing well. And so it kind of cancels each other out um, or worse. That said, I just can't not invest in this. And they only come out with earnings every six months. A lot of these foreign companies only Mm -hmm. announce earnings every six months. I believe the last earnings was in August. So that would mean that we're looking at September, October, November, December, January. Oh, so February. So it's coming up, should be in February. But you can't. How many trades did you have to use to get to February? We're, We're in January right now. I know. This is understand that I'm up till 3 a.m. every morning doing social arm research and my brain in the morning. This is still morning for me. It's just not clicking yet. Um, but so you can't trade the stock. They do have an ADR, but it, there's no volume. And I would be scared to death of touching that ADR because there's literally no volume. I don't know even how that works when it only trades a couple thousand shares. No volume, a day. and this product is a very, very small subset of the whole and it reminds me when you were talking it reminds me of our worst trade ever in restaurant brands when we were so pumped up about the uh the chicken sandwich at popeyes and also burger king had good stuff going on but we forgot to look north of the border to uh tim hortons in canada and you know even though our thesis was right our being blinded by uh such good data on what we knew about we just forgot to even look at what might be happening at tim hortons and they just destroyed the stock totally it's really risky but like i just want to be in it i just want to i i feel like there's a better chance of it working than not working but i still am concerned because the the sales in china of their primary product is really what moves the needle for this company but if they even have a a a division that's 15 percent that's tripling year over year it has it has I'm, I'm going to roll the dice with it. So here's what you ha- here's what I had to do. I have this thing called a Schwab Global account, and to my knowledge, it's it's one of the only ways that a retail investor can easily trade stocks around the world that trade on foreign exchanges. So it connects to my regular Schwab account, and I had to go into my Schwab Global account, put sell whatever I had in there, put it into cash, then I had to convert my cash into Hong Kong currency. I'm probably saying that wrong, Hong Kong currency, but I had, I had, I had to convert. Saying. 
I had to convert it into Hong Kong. Even though what the currency is? Hold on, let's let get it. I don't know. I don't even know what it's called. It's called Hong Kong currency <laughs> in my head. So I converted it to Hong Kong currency. And it's a Hong Kong dollar, what, by the way. Hong what Kong is it dollar. called? What is it called? Hong Kong dollar. It is? I am not wrong. Hong Kong dollars. And then once I convert it into Hong Kong dollars, the, the, one, right, the one thing I really like about this is that since I'm up all night doing trade research, it's fun to actually be able to trade in the middle of the night because that's when these markets are open. So it's like two in the morning and I'm just like, this is great. The market's open. I can trade right now. And then I had to go in and I had to buy stock of La Occitane. Um, I know I'm saying that wrong. <laughs> and this, this, this stock international, I could not find the symbol no matter how many Google searches I did. I found like, five different symbols and none of them worked. None of them was worked. So it, was, I had is the symbol like world. a bunch of numbers? Yeah, yeah. But the numbers yeah. didn't work. The numbers, so th it's not just the numbers. It's how you have to combine the numbers with the Hong Kong exchange colon and all stuff. The way that it worked, it was 973 colon XHKG. <laughs> okay? And it worked. By the way, I'm going to give a big fail to some of these you know the the Asian tickers. That how do how do you keep track of them? Just like a, a random. I'm thinking that those numbers, numbers actually convert to symbols in a different character set, and the only way for our keyboards to do it is use numbers. Is that true? Is that a fact? I oh. think it has to be like a double byte character well, set or something. I have no idea. I I, I just I've, always thought it was. I've thought about this before. Or? I've never researched it, but I'm pretty sure that that <laughs> has to be because there's we don't have those symbols on our keyboard, and the only way to do it is like a number, right? I'm going to give your theory about a 15% chance of being right. <laughs> I'm no sure way. someone in the comments is going to know and just <laughs> roast us for being wrong. Okay. We don't even have to tell you to uh, tell us if we're wrong in the comments because you'll just do it. <laughs> yeah. So here's the How's thing. How's La Octane, or however you say that, not a French company? Uh, I... uh, somebody, somebody, somebody put the pronunciation. It's L'Occitane. L'Occitane. Is that Lots how I say it? Lots of time. That's somebody wrote that. I, I, that could be correct or incorrect. I have no idea. If I would have waken up 10 minutes earlier, I would have done better pre-show prep. I would have got all my pronunciations down. <laughs> you, you, you dialed in late. That's why we're on late is because you slept in this morning. <laughs> okay. So I bought, uh, just full disclosure, I bought 45,000 shares of this La Ossetane. And I don't know. I, it cost what are they trading at? Like, is that a two dollar stock? Is it a over a million Hong Kong dollars? Uh, it, it was about one hundred and forty five thousand U.S. dollars. Okay, it's like I'm a thirteen cents is the exchange, I think. Yeah, yeah, I'm. It's a little annoying to trade because you put your trade in at the ask price. I, I said, listen, I'm going to put it in at the ask price. I don't want to play games, and only like, I don't know. $10,000 cleared by the time I went to bed. And I was like, I don't know. I couldn't even figure out how to change the order once it was in. So I just went to bed and I just checked it and the whole order had gone through over the course of the night, which is pretty cool. Um, <laughs> anyway, what I'm getting at, guys, is that that's, that is one, one uh, example of a company that is kind of nailing this. Uh, a company that also did really well in kind of the cosmetic skincare space this last year has been Drunk Elephant. But again, Shishido companies out of Japan, really kind of uninvestable. 
Uh, and it's just an element of Shishido Company. They, the Drunk Elephant was acquired by Shishido, and they're a really big company. Isn't one of your favorite cosmetics companies also pretty good with their social online strategy? Well, I was going to say the real trade, the real trade here is Elf. So I, I never thought in a million years I would be talking about how I'm getting back into Elf Cosmetics at like 140, 150 bucks a share. It's obscene. I mean, when we traded Elf at seven bucks to 14, I was like, we did it. We doubled our money. Elf is trending. And now like, they just kept trending and they just haven't stopped trending since that trade eight years, nine years ago. This, this is my low-tech way of showing a stock chart it's these days. That is a two-year chart on Elf. How how did we sell that stock? Why did we sell that stock? Why didn't we listen to my advice of just never selling anything? Well, well, that the, the thing right was social, for sure. The social arb trade was over, but Jordan, you see it with your girls, right? The con here's what's fascinating. Here's what's fascinating. Elf has somehow figured out not just how to connect with Gen Z culture, but how to control it. So Elf has played a big part in making dupes cooler than the real thing. So dupes are basically when you have a cheaper version of a product, and it's been a big cultural trend uh, primarily on TikTok the last couple of years. But Elf has kind of played a role in that and Elf is the ultimate dupe company. It's a company that exclusively sold cosmetics and skincare at Walgreens, CVS, Target, Walmart, right? You don't find Elf, uh, you know, in like nice department stores. And they sell products that sell for $40, $60, $70, dollars for $6, $7, okay? Like a tenth the price. And they actually do a really good job making decent, if not in some cases, really good products uh, package really well with just an insanely cool Gen Z brand. It's not cheesy to buy Elf products. It's actually, they made it cool. Like, I, I can't even believe how well Elf has executed on this strategy. In fact, if you go to Elf's website, there, there's an area of their website, I think on their homepage, where they talk about products that they make that are going to go viral next. That's how confident they are. <laughs> They're talking about what products are going to go viral next that are made by Elf. Well, because, because going viral is such a big part of their overall strategy, not just their marketing strategy. Their entire sales strategy is tied to having viral moments on TikTok and Instagram and, and whatever platform Gen Alpha is going to be using. I will say this. This is one of those stories where the cat is now out of the bag. To some extent, Wall Street is well aware that Elf has mastered this strategy. So it's a little bit tricky because it's kind of like, okay, to what degree does institutional Wall Street and the investing public full, are fully aware of how Elf is executing? They pretty much know, okay? But I, I don't think they fully appreciate uh, just how great. I think Elf 
I know, I feel like I know Elf had the greatest quarter in their history this quarter. Like they were just striking every product they make. They were crushing it. If you pull again, a Google trends chart on uh, Elf, uh, Elf makeup or Elf cosmetics or Elf skincare, I'm pulling a little bit, but um, it's, it. they're just, they're completely crushing it. So I can't not be in a company that's doing that well. Um, I have to be in it. So I got back into Elf. I got back into Elf at like 100. And then I think I sold it in like 140, 150. And then I got back into it again because I just, I have to be in it. Um, so I'm willing to risk some money on Elf going through earnings. Um, hold on, I'm pulling the chart myself here. Yeah, uh, they're just crushing it. Elf Cosmetics, again, it's, this is it. Even as well as they've been doing the last few years, they seem to have really topped themselves this holiday season. So yeah, I, I can't not be in that stock. Have to do it. By the way, there is a there is a thesis here that kind of these these kind of just makeup and skincare generally, skincare specifically, is just so freaking hot with Gen Z. Like it has become everything. Uh, the degree to which teen and preteen girls are just laser focused on the skincare routine. The skincare routine in and within itself has become a trend on TikTok this year. It's like, what's your routine? What's your routine? It's like, it's become a monstrously big segment of social media now. And I can tell you that that is a trend that has made it to uh, a Today Show segment where they had a doctor on asking, is it too much for a preteen to be doing a skincare routine? And the doctor weighed in and said, you know, their skin really doesn't need a routine, but uh, good hygiene is a good idea. But yeah, so that's definitely a, teen, a trend for the young, uh, young age group that is potentially going to move the needle for uh, for companies that have skincare products. Dave, that was a controversial thing that happened with Drunk Elephant because Drunk Elephant um, has, you know, chemicals and things in it that are really harsh that are for older women. Mm -hmm. And these teens are using it and it's super controversial. Um, and then like they absolutely should not be using it. It's why, like we don't allow our daughter to touch Drunk Elephant stuff but you know it's it's what's cool is cool they see one person doing it you know what they respect and they all want to do it whether it's on social media or you know in their social kind of realm but how did, how did any company decide drunk elephant would be a good brand name for skincare products I, I or for know. any product really i don't know like if I, I, think I, of, just... if I think of like beautiful clean skin i don't think of an elephant i just read the tea leaves man that's all i do so oh <laughs> speaking of this i want to talk about the number one trending product in the history of social media i think that came out of nowhere the last few weeks i don't know if you guys saw this text from me but i actually got the text it wasn't on my timeline it wasn't in my kind of tiktok but austin hankowitz uh texted me a little while ago i don't know a week plus ago and said chris did you see this i was like I, I, dude I, i've seen i saw some of it but not enough to where i thought it was like fully on fire trending and i started looking into it and this product trended so hard on tiktok shop 
that it actually became the third, I think it became the third highest sales product on all of Amazon. Everything that Amazon sells, it was like number three across all of Amazon. Ready for this, guys? It is stri stripping oil made by Guru Nanda. It's coconut and pepper. It's basically a coconut peppermint oil that you just rinse your mouth out with that does magical things, supposedly. Like, it literally, like, so I had I saw TikToks. You call, you call it oil pulling, Chris. Oil, oil pulling. pulling. I'm, I'm oil telling pulling. you, TikTok shop is like, such an insane thing because you incentivize a bunch of creators to find a product that you've never heard of, would never have yeah. used, give them give them a kickback every time someone buys it and then they're going to come up with all these great use cases and like yeah i think this is one of those things chris that i'd be careful about dentists are not a big fan of this oil pulling trend oh oh jordan i'm not telling people to not buy people it, to it. Just he's just telling people be aware that this you're, just, you're just reporting on it i get it i'm but, reporting uh, on it man so i saw a kid Saying that it removed a cavity, <laughs> it removed a cavity. He claims on his mouth. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't trust like you know Joe on TikTok. I would I would <laughs> listen to the dentist or whatever the research says. So, so so you know, but but this so I think it gives you good. It supposedly gives you fresh breath for twenty four hours. I don't know how that works. Okay, I think if you add something like this to a routine, maybe it's fine. But I wouldn't have this be your only routine. Um, it, it, so it whitens, supposedly it is rumored by every person on TikTok who's selling it's it. rumored by TikTok experts. <laughs> it is rumored to yeah. whiten your teeth, whiten your teeth, give you fresh breath for 24 hours and remove cavities. That's what I saw in my research, but I'm sure it does other stuff too. I, I don't, but the bottom line is have you people... bought anything on a TikTok, uh, a TikTok shop yet. So when when Austin yeah. texted this to me, it had already sold seven hundred thousand units on TikTok Shop, and then it went super viral after that, and then it started taking down like every product on Amazon because it sold out across TikTok Shop, and they've been resupplying it. But it just goes to show that if you're not seeing this stuff, you're probably not looking hard enough, um, and you need to get into the search window of TikTok yeah. and start don't, looking don't at trust your own algorithm because like my TikTok shop all shows me stuff that I think would be useful. Like I just yesterday bought a uh, battery charger from like anchor that some TikTok TikToker told me about. And I just found it on Amazon and shipped it that way. I didn't use TikTok shop, but Dude, that was trending a year ago, Dave. You're, you're really like, this is a brand new one. This one's a brand new one with a kickstand and like, Oh, it's thinner, lighter, better. Of course, it's thinner and lighter. <laughs> um. Oh. Okay. But so that's definitely not something that is super trending. That's just trending in the like tech nerd world. That's so I'll how give I you got the ad. And oh. you're for some reason getting makeup because I don't know your shopping habits or your household's IP uses a lot of uh, preteen products. Well, I'll give you guys some tips out there of what to look for in the search window of TikTok. And if anybody has any other tips, I would encourage them to share them now. 
uh, in the comment section of this video. But ins and outs is is a trend of talking about trends. So the trendy way to talk about trends is ins and outs videos. And there are thousands of videos that are giving you what's ins and what's going out, outs. Um, so you could just kind of search for those videos and watch them. There are actual creators now. This bothers me. All they do. This bothers me because there are creators, some big creators that are doing nothing but talking about things that are trending in real time. And I'm pissed off about it because I'm worried that you know, conventional investors are going to pick up on this more easily now. And it's going to kind of, I don't know, it's going to remove some of the edge that guys like us have that are willing to do a little bit of extra work to find this stuff. But that said, there are a lot of ways to find these things on TikTok. Uh, but the most important thing to do is not to watch the videos and trust what any creator says ever, but to, to, to read comments, read thousands and thousands of comments, because the comments are where you'll be able to identify if people are buying what they're saying, if they actually, if the message is resonating, and if people are truly passionate, obsessed about these products uh, to the degree that they're selling out, um, to the degree that they're propagating within the Gen Z world and beyond. So I would spend a lot more time reading the comments than watching the videos. And on that, I wanna get to my next big trade um, also comes with risk. And I want to get Jordan's input on this because Jordan, uh, you know, I know that you're familiar with a company and you've done some, a little bit of research on them of a company that they recently announced they were going to acquire, which adds a lot of uncertainty to this trade. So the trade is on coach bags. Coach is a company that went all in on Gen Z marketing, specifically the last year, year and a half. They hired a new head of design two years ago. I don't have his name in front of me, but he's an absolutely incredible designer. And it took him about a year and a half to redesign the entire line at Coach. And let me tell you guys something. What Coach has done over the past two years is nothing short of extraordinary. They took a brand that was basically dead and it had been dead for some time and completely reinvigorated that brand to the point where now Coach Bags have become one of the coolest brands for Gen Z. They are affordable, but they are still kind of approachable luxury, right? These bags cost anywhere between two and $500. Um, and you know, Gen Z is all about kind of this, you know, actually authentically researching whether things are quality or not. That's been the new thing. You know, this whole quiet luxury this last year, like actually. Yeah, I think so the the yeah the trend here is against fast fast fashion, and so what they'll tend to do is they'll invest in like one or two quality items not super not like a louis vuitton something like that but you're right like a like a solid solidly built well craftsman that that whole that whole bit right and, and coach what they did right is they are one of the very few brands in the world that they knew that they were so well known for their leather that 
they have resisted every temptation, even when they weren't doing good, to skimp on the leather. And that yeah. has now gone viral. The fact that Coach Leather is so good. That well, you know what I've been seeing where, lately? I've, I've been seeing on TikTok that people are actually taking old uh, coach bags and, you know, refurbishing them because they're like, the leather is so good that, you know, this 25, 30, 40 year old bag is great. You just give it a facelift and, you know, it's and what is coach doing with their style though? Are they, are, have they reinvented their line? Yes. Are they, yes. When, when Jordan says quiet luxury, I think not a name brand, a, a high-end brand that doesn't no, have well, to think, their name on it. Uh, so are they coming no, up with like, I mean, a, coach an iconic look? Coach is an iconic old-school brand, brand, Dave. Like right? it's, not, it's not Louis Vuitton that has the or Gucci that has their brand just tattooed all over yeah. it. You're gonna have some you're gonna have some minor coach badging, but it's not anywhere near the amount of badging that goes into some of these other, you know, higher luxury brands. Yeah, it it's coach coach is is known as kind of like one of the old school iconic brands that again is one of the very few that's a pro, that's still approachable from an affordability standpoint and Dave they've nailed nailed their design nailed it. Do you remember the coach bag we were talking about when this designer first came? It was like what was yeah, it, it was a like year, a year years and a half ago, ago? right? Yeah, it it trended. That was like the first bag that they had come back with that it trended hard. Now they have half a dozen of those types of bags uh, that are in different lines. Every, basically, everything at Coach is trending. Um, I won't get too into all the things that are trending at Coach, but they've gone in really hard on mini bags, which are super popular, yeah. like the, the very, very small bags. Uh, they're just crushing it across the board. So here's what's interesting. I actually went out and drove to the <clears> – <throat> I sent you guys a picture, a funny picture of me. Uh, with the coach shoes, but I drove out to the coach factory store. So what's fascinating about coach is they have more outlet stores than regular stores. I drove out to one of their big outlet stores and I spent a solid 40 minutes in the store hanging out and talking with the, the reps at the store and the assistant manager, that's me. That's me at the coach door. I'm not making this up. Um, those are their shoes. And I was just, asking, I was like, hey, tell me what's going on. Like, let's talk about the last year. What's changed? I, I'm noticing that you guys are really hitting out of the park when it comes to Gen Z on, on viral, uh, with viral content. Talk to me. And they were so nice. They literally took me through all the products they have an entire wall, an entire wall at that store dedicated to Gen Z product. They're like, they're like, everything that's on that wall is designed to sell to Gen Z. They're like, we actually have a corporate marketing strategy that is nothing but how do we win over Gen Z? They, they, they are so focused on winning Gen Z um that they just decided as a company to go all in on it and it's working yeah. and if you were to do a google uh trend chart on coach bag you'll see that this holiday season like elf they are knocking it out of the park okay so if i were able to invest in just coach right now i would be going in so hard and so yeah what are they 2x Anything they've done in the last two, years, a, five years? Yeah. 
It's a it's a impressive chart. Right, but yeah. that you just said it, Chris, and this is years. where you've got to kind of think what else is going on at the company, right? And so they've but and so Coach has made or you know, Tapestry is the parent organization. They've made acquisitions, right? Uh, they've you know they own Kate oh, Spade. Kate Spade. Spade. Spade is great. Um, they own Coach. What's that? No, no, no. So they made they started by making two acquisitions: Kate, yeah. Kate Spade and Stuart Weitzman. And right. actually, Jordan, neither of those acquisitions have gone nearly as well as they said they would. Well, they pitch, right? And so that's kind of the downside, right? And so that's why that's why you don't see like an enormous PE on this stock. I think is because the you get the the as far as the business is concerned, the you know your best margins are out of Coach products, and then you get lower margins on the other two brands. Um, and that's where, you know, you've also got to think about what is going on at this company right now and that they are, um, in the process of purchasing or buying Capri Holdings, um, which has another variety of brands that also don't have as high a margins as coach, um, Jimmy Choo, Versace, super high end. And then you've got Michael Kors, which is kind of a weird, a weird brand that, uh, that Capri owns. And, um, so yeah, Jordan, so that that big fall off was after, I think I think that big dip was after the announcement of yep. the pre acquisition. Yep, that was that was um, right around the uh, summer of twenty three. Even more debt to tapestry. Yeah. Um, so basically, what's happening here is you have a company that is like sixty percent coach. So if it was just tapestry right now, I would still feel comfortable going all in on tapestry for the coach trade this holiday season. Yeah. The problem is they have this deal to acquire Capri Brands. Capri yeah. Brands is a huge company. It's almost as big as tapestry. And the only way they're pulling this off is by taking out massive amounts. I'm talking massive amounts of debt. Yeah. It's, it's so much debt, it's wild. And so it's really risky. And this, this Capri Holdings is a company that has Michael Kors, which is a huge company, is reliant on overseas growth, right? Because it's kind of been a, a flat brand in the U.S. for a while now. They have it was these- a hot brand. It was a hot brand, you know, maybe 15 years ago. Um, but it's really good. I haven't seen it go anywhere in the states um, for a while. It, but but and and so what they're saying, Jordan, they're saying, hey, we can acquire this company we can generate $200 million of savings right off the bat by like firing all the duplicate people and bring it, you know, merging everything. do that, right? And so that's that's one of those things that, you know, will they get, you know, the efficiencies that they, that they pitch or does this turn into, you know, two corporations slugging it out for, you know, for, you know, I want this, I want this, you know, I, we'll have to see how that turns out. And also Wall Street is right to say, you know what? You said you were going to do better with Kate Spade and Stuart Weitzman and you didn't. So why should we trust you that you'll do better with this acquisition that's even larger? And you know what? The second that they announced this acquisition, the stock tanked. So here's why it matters. I'm only trading for this holiday season for course. That's my trade, right? The problem is because they have this dark cloud of a huge debt driven acquisition sitting over them that's not going to close for another six to nine months yeah we don't know how many of the institutional owners of tapestry are so pissed off about that acquisition 
and they haven't fully exited yet. And we don't know how many of them have already planned to dump all their tapestry into strength, right? So yeah, even if they knock it yeah. out of the park when they announce earnings here, I don't know when they're earning next few weeks, I think, even if they knock it out of the park, there could be institutional holders of the stock that are like, we don't care because we hate this acquisition that's going to happen later this year. And we're going to huge, huge, we're going to use the strength of, of this earnings to dump more stock onto the market. And that's scary. So it's very hard to have a lot of conviction in the tapestry earnings trade because of the stupid Capri acquisition. And, and and this is an important conversation because we're social arb traders and it's really simple sometimes to think, hey, there's a hot trend. There's a company that would benefit off of it. Yeah. So we're just going to trade that company. But this is the homework that you have to do to not get screwed as a social arb trader. You have to understand the risk in yeah. these trades. Okay. You have to understand when there are other things going on that might be more important than the information that you're trading as a social arb trader. And this is one of those situations. So like for me, I'm still trading, I'm going to roll the dice and I'm still going to trade tapestry. But if it doesn't work out, I'm not going to be surprised. I'm going to be like, oh, I knew the risk. I, I, I'm going to I'm going to measure my trade and size it appropriately yeah. so that I'm not losing, you know, 10% of my portfolio if it doesn't work out because i'm not willing to do that when there's this other overhang and from a timing standpoint their earnings come out in two weeks on february 8th so are you you're are you doing straight stock are you trying to do options what are you what are you looking at uh i know so i kind of have this new rule that most of the time i really do not like discussing how I approach uh, the trade between stock and options and what options I'm buying and all that stuff. Because because I feel like what used to happen is people would try to copy what I was doing and then they'd get irritated. And if it like I, everyone should make their own decisions on how they how they want what their risk, what their risk is like uh, uh, tolerances. Right. They should do their own homework. What are they willing to lose? Like I, that, that's not for me to, to, to influence. And I don't want to influence that stuff. Uh, I'm just kind of laying out what the thesis is, what I think the risks are. And then I, I will I will reveal that I'm I'm still moving forward with the trade in a measured way for myself. But I, I don't want to influence other people. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. I, I, it's it's not like in a gigantic, you know, high conviction trade for me or anything like that but i think it's a good example of a company that is nailing gen z viral marketing yeah they're just, with that one okay, brand so but their other brands are not are not really uh on gen z's radar at all when yeah, was the last so, time you saw a TikTok about kate spade yes and really if you work for the right. acquisition there's not much of a there's not a huge overhang on the stock i mean it's not it's not expensive like it's it's a good company uh, but this, you know, the potential debt load and all that that, that could come along with this, it's just, it's a weird, it's a weird time. And, and Jordan, I do want to say this, like, even within their own portfolio, Kate Spade, everyone knows that Kate Spade is going through a rebuild. No one's yep. expecting anything out of Kate Spade. At the same time, the data that I was looking at 
looks really bad on Kate Spade this holiday. Oh, really? Season. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So it looks it looks really bad. So so that's another risk factor. So it's like, but again, coach is like the dude. If this is a, a one one brand company, dude, I I might have a third or half of my portfolio in coach right now. <laughs> that's how much I believe coach is going to kill it. Um, but you just can't look at it like that. So I do want to say this. I think this is a really good example where someone can go right now and type in coach bag on TikTok and read comments because the comments are stunning. If you read like 200 or 300 comments on these coach bag videos from the past three, four months, you will see that nearly every single comment is, oh my gosh, they have really knocked it out of the park with their designs. I'm obsessed with coach. I can't even believe that how big this coach comeback is. Like, oh my gosh, coach is everything. Like, I love coach. So like, that's how you understand the depth of interest that these Gen Zers have in a brand. You're not going to understand it through looking at Google search trends, right? I mean, it helps. You're not going to understand it by even looking at videos because how much are those videos biased? Maybe they're just these creators that are kind of crazy. Um, but when you read hundreds to thousands of comments of ordinary people saying, oh my God, this is it. like, I can't believe how much I've fallen in love with this brand this year. That's I just, how can't, I just can't understand why people are even bothering with those comments though. Like, Why are a thousand people saying, oh, I love that brand under a video about that brand? Dave? It's part of the culture. This is life. This is how this is how they share. They are so much more connect. Remember, I used the word connection. This is how they connect. They connect through conversing on social media because it, you know, you might connect through talking with a friend. They connect through talking with a stranger in the comment section of a video of a follower that they both follow. So they have or, that connection. Or it's bots. No, it's okay. There will always be some bots because I'm telling you, we're fortunate that AI hasn't gotten to the point where it's very obvious um, where there's organic conversation happening. Uh, if you read enough of these TikTok comments, I've made a living out of reading TikTok comments. <laughs> um, Funny that that's your job now. Yeah, it, it, you, you can tell. At some point in the future, I'm sure AI will get good enough and someone will get savvy enough to use the AI in such a way to try to trick people in that way. Um, you, don't think, you don't think people are using AI right now to try to see conversations? To see conversations? No. And I only say that, Jordan, because like even the very simplest things that I thought Wall Street, when we had ticker tags and you know, I was up there meeting with the literally the largest hedge in the hedge funds in the world, the simplest things that I thought they would want to do, they had no interest in doing. So like when it comes to contextual data, they just, this stuff is so still off radar for them. Um, and we talked about a number of times, Wall Street likes repeatable, correlated uh, data that they can feed into an algorithm that is trusting, that has historical context to it. This is stuff that changes on the fly. Even the language itself changes on the fly. Um, so you really have to immerse yourself in the contextual data sets and, and how these kids are talking to each other and what they're saying. And, and fortunately, we still have, I think, a few years left, whereas humans, 
we could do this <laughs> and get an edge. I'm trying to get as many trades under my belt as possible right now before the AI completely takes over in five to 10 years. And we just can't do anything anymore to get an edge. For those tuning in late, we are talking about Wall Street's number one blind spot. That blind spot is the companies that are have figured out how to market to Gen Z and and beyond, Gen A. Um. I want to mention two more that are oldies for us, but that should be part of this conversation. Uh, one is UGG. Uh, obviously, UGG is having the biggest holiday of the company's history. Uh, unfortunately, Wall Street is fully aware of that. It's showing up in their transaction data. Uh, and DEC has been on freaking fire. I, Dude, I guys, I bought like $700,000 of DEC. Uh, before this whole run, and I'm just, I've been crushing it on this move. So I'm super happy. I'm kind of half of me is trying to figure out to what extent do I hold through earnings because it's just so well known how good of a quarter that they have. Will it be a sell the news event on earnings? I don't even know. It might be. Yeah. So, you know, th this one is, this one's known. I thought what is fascinating is I saw some of the predictive. It, not, not even the ins and outs videos. Uh, there's a girl that I follow who talks about what she's seeing, like with her super bleeding edge. Like she has a, she's in like this network of like bleeding edge uh, influencers who are like the stuff that will be in in like three to six months from now that nobody's talking about. And she said that one of those things would be full height Uggs, like the ones that were popular a few years ago before the Uggs started getting lower and lower and lower. And I saw that and I almost I almost fell down. I was like, if that actually comes true, I was like, because I was thinking with this whole Ugg, you know, Ugg with height, but not with height, but like the lower Uggs, but then they put the, you know, the higher heels on them. Like at some point, they're running out of new stuff at Ugg to trend. If they're able to somehow get the classic old school Uggs, just the, the base model Uggs to trend again next year, that would be wild. That would give me a reason to just go all in on deck throughout all of 24. Um, I think Hoka is going to have another huge year, it looks like, from, from the data I'm seeing in Hoka, which is their other brand at deck. So anyway, we need to talk about that. that that's part of it. The other one, we've beaten this one down a million times, but it's Celsius, guys. I still think Celsius is just crushing that Gen Z marketing. Have you noticed, I don't know if you ever listened to the um, the annual, I, I think I sent you guys a link to, to uh, the CEO speaking, but he can't stop talking about the fact that he has teams at 270 colleges. He, he's talking about it as if it's like the number one thing they're doing. And I think what I get out of that is how important this is to Celsius, how much Celsius is putting the entire company around winning this younger generation. The fact that they have these 270 teams that are at college campuses that are constantly marketing every day that are setting up tents at football games, you know, doing their little promos and stuff. But every trend that happens on TikTok. Celsius is jumping on board. So we talked about this before, Dave. It's like they, they, we had the, you know, 
what's your New Year's resolution? Everyone's passing a camera around the office. So Celsius did it and they made yeah. it in that. Yeah. So their, their account basically watches a lot of TikTok and recreates a lot of that content around their brand, which is a which is a strategy that has has been working for them. They just get it. They just they just it's a company that gets it. Um, and they're the kind so, of company that other people want to create content, even if you're not incentivized by the uh, TikTok shop to promote Celsius. It's a it's a brand people like to talk about. It's it's a brand that people are into. It's a it's become a a habit. It's one of those habitual products that if you're in it, you're in it. So, I I think the biggest takeaway today of this episode is sure we want to spot things that are trending or changes that are happening with consumer behavior or or brands or products as they're happening in real time, connect the dots and and place our bets on those investments. But can we also detect what company marketing teams, uh, which CEOs are just so good that get it so well that we could actually trust them that they're going to make their products go viral and trend this next year, right? And that's what this that's what this is all really all about. That we actually have so much confidence that we can get ahead of the curve. So Celsius is going to expand their product line around the world this year, right? Can we trust Celsius that as they're going through that global expansion, that they are going to make good decisions? with social media, that they're going to make good decisions with branding and positioning and viral marketing. And so far from what I've seen, I think I could trust that company. And that's why I'm comfortable having such a big uh, position in Celsius. And we talked about the risk in Celsius too. Big if you risk. haven't seen those episodes, and go the stock, them. The stock has just been all over the board. Yeah. Um. For those of y'all that haven't watched all of our Celsius episodes, you know, making it short there's basically a couple big insiders one of them passed away this last year and his estate owned like 30 percent of the company so they've been in the process of selling all of their shares and that's what's been putting so much pressure downward on celsius over the past two is years. it all of their shares that they're trying to liquidate i thought it was like a third of their shares or something no like that. It, I, it it uh by my calculation through forward contracts and options, they have already sold over half of their shares. Oh, well wow. over half. Now they haven't actually sold, so they basically sold contracts to sell yeah. them in the future at set prices and then sold options on them that are out in the future. Um, and I see really there's nothing that I can see that would tell me they wouldn't continue to do that because when you have an estate with a, a person that was basically the the funder of the entire company yeah. uh, that passed, and the estate has all kinds of people in it. Might one of them decide to, to keep their share? Sure, but you have to make an assumption that these other people don't want to have their entire net worth in a, in a stock that's gone up like fifty x already, right? Like they, yeah. they are not the people; they're not involved with the business day to day, like he was. And they just want to get their money to do normal things with, whether it's spending it or investing it appropriately across a diversified portfolio. So I'm under the assumption that that estate will fully unwind, continue to unwind. Um, 
they've been doing it in a relatively smart way. It's not like they're just dumping shares on the market. When you're yeah. you're selling a third of a company, you don't do that. You have lots of banks helping you. You figure out how to do it over multiple years, right? You do it over years and years and years, not over weeks and months. But that to me as an opportunity, because that to me means there's an artificial downward force on the stock that if it didn't exist, this thing could be double where it is right now. But but we have this math. So I, I'm totally fine with it as someone that's trying to, you know, own this stock for yeah. what likely yeah. be. Yeah, but it has been so just to just to be fair, it has been mildly uh, volatile over the past few months. And a lot of it's because of that. And there's yeah. this, there's, there's a lot of traders as well that are trading around it. Um, by the way. You know, there's also that, I think, institutional consensus that, you know, no one's going to believe that a company can do what Monster did. Every company that has attempted to replicate Monster's success and Red Bull's success has failed. And we're talking about a graveyard of dozens and dozens of energy drinks. Yeah. So you would just, the default would be they can't do it. That should be the default, right? And so if they are able to do it and grow from the 10, $12 billion company they are today to the 50, $55 billion company that is Monster, which is globally, um, or even something close to that, 20, 30 billion, uh, it will be another anomaly for an energy drink, right? So, you know, that's it. We have now officially ticked past the one hour streaming mark on the show that we try to keep to 20 minutes. So thank you guys for sticking around. Um, do oh, you have Dave, any other last trades you need to get in before I hit the buzzer? Can, can we do our humanoid um, interview next week with our the founder of the humanoid company uh, that we're invested in so that our, our followers can get a better insider's perspective, even on the Tesla uh, humanoid. Can we, are you around next week? I know I'm you're not here. going anywhere. You just got the beach, right? No, I'm 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 fully available anytime you need me. Okay, so why don't we? What what day do you guys want to schedule that for next week? And Tuesday, uh, Wednesday. You want to do Tuesday? You want to do Thursday? What? I'm fine Let with Tuesday. Real quick. We, we this this is how professional our show is. It's uh. It's like a real time. Hey, do you know that I saw, I, I've been seeing videos about how vlogger content is coming back because yes. supposedly everybody wants to see behind the scenes. So we should do the thing where instead of shutting our camera off, we just tell people the show's over and say what we would normally say for 10 minutes and then they could watch or not watch. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. The show's over. Remember remember when we used to um, just chit chat until we got a hundred likes and then and then we yeah. finally uh started the show it's kind of the, the opposite show's officially of over guys just all right turn so off. i'm just looking at our live count i'm going to hit the button and then we can just keep talking and we'll schedule but for those of you who are only here for the relevant content that portion is done we're dumb money we will see you uh next week Okay, we should be on now. This is we're still on the air, just so you know. Don't say anything you don't want to. We're on the air. Yeah, yeah. we're still on the right. air.
for, so for the over four hundred and eighty-seven people who are still uh, still tuned around and did not use that musical cue as their sign to leave. Oh, like okay, we should so first, we should do our twenty-minute show and then we should just do our free-for-all Q and A, whatever. Like, well, because nobody nobody really wants to see us talk for an hour, except for these. 500 people who who do want to see us talk for an hour i i agree but here's the problem you didn't we didn't do an episode last week so i just had to like throw up i i just i was a week no, off. This, i had a we need we, you, you had a lot to say today so that's good we're we're all we're all in favor of that if we can get back to one episode a week, we'll keep it to 20 minutes. And then we'll, I like the concept that we can talk about some other crap after we close out yeah. and people want to listen, they could listen, but I really want to nail this humanoid interview down because the guy that did his interview with me, the Tesla guy, um, he's interviewing him. So I want to get our interview with him before he interviews him. And I don't know when he's interviewing him. Wait, interviewing what's, who? Get, what's going on? This is the C our CEO of um Aptronic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we want to interview him for the show next week. And I think it'll be great insight. I mean I it's and it's less like a, of an interview and just more like us picking his brain on like all of the yeah. robot companies. On all of them, yeah, and just the sector. Because I think the insight that I have from him on Tesla, Tesla's Optimus is incredible not that he's getting inside information on it but like there are only so many humanoid engineers in the world and he's yeah. like, no, I mean, he can look at it and, and understand what's going on in a different way than we can 100 percent agree and i think our followers will have great questions for him as well so we if you guys have questions up. who are still in the chat don't leave them in the chat but uh put them in the actual comments that way we can go back and look at this episode and like like put the word question colon and then ask your question for the uh ceo of aptronic so we'll do that here's next week the thing. I, I, so you, you guys did i can do tuesday it. i can do thursday i really can do any day but oh, let's, let's let's do tuesday i want to get done earlier and later i'll tell him if he can't do tuesday let's we'll do thursday but um i'll email him right after this we get off today so did you did you like the tweet thread i put out yeah it was good um i don't know if i actually hit the like button though i probably should do that help you with the algorithm god um dude i work my butt off on that dude i literally i'm not joking i probably put 30 hours of research and work to not miss anything on that um i did a motley fool interview yesterday where we talked about humanoids um i'm telling you and i you i know you're gonna think i'm insane for this but like this tesla trade is going to be the biggest trade I've ever done. Like when I put it on, and I'm so happy to see Tesla falling. I'm so pissed off that Tesla didn't fall more today. Well, it's it's about even. Um, I want to see it come down to like 150 or worse. Um, mm, and I, hope... I I just hate to Dave see it that but low. You know how you know how much money I have in Tesla. I know. I thinking about. I was oh. thinking about you too. I I was like I was worried for you when I saw that happen. Yeah. Uh, but Dave, I'm but I I'm not trading Tesla. Tesla is just a stock that I will just keep holding. Okay, I, I think they're really they, like story. you. I think they have the potential of being the biggest company in the world. Uh, no, no, I, Jordan, I'm not joking. I know how you feel about Tesla and Elon, all this stuff. In 35 years, I have 
this will be the biggest trade I ever make. Like this would be what bigger than my weird COVID. about Tesla right now is that Elon Musk, just the comments that he makes about how he needs to have a higher ownership percentage, or he's going to start to take his AI and robotics investments he outside. Of Tesla. I'm like, what, what CEO can come out and just say insane things like this? He can't Jordan. He is insane, but he can't, he can't, Take it. They own the IP. He's still it's not saying it, Chris. I don't care. Like, you know, you okay. Can't... So he's a lunatic. We all know it, but it doesn't matter. He's not stopping just, Tesla from having. To me, I, I I agree. He can't just like steal from the company, but that means he, that his heart might. He start just to wants to. Else, right, he just wants control, though. He literally has said he doesn't need more equity, any more money equity. He just wants voting shares so that he can like. Right, and there, there was talk about Actually, them instituting a dual, a dual class um, share structure, which would be the opposite of what most companies do. They they tend to consolidate around a, a common share class instead of pushing a huge, near you know, multi hundreds of billion dollar company to a multi share. I mean, it's it, the whole thing it comes down to: Do you want Tesla to be fully controlled by Elon? Or do you want Tesla to be controlled by a board? I, right. I, I, yeah, I, but that's not my decision, right? And I think he made that decision when he's when he's selling a bunch of stock to buy Twitter, right? And so I, I, I think hate he, that he bought Twitter. Okay, that all said, which is all true, the fact that Elon is Elon and we're in this situation is the only reason why Tesla is trading at a $580 billion valuation. Because otherwise, if 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 Steve Jobs were CEO of Tesla and Tim Cook was his COO, Tesla would be trading at $2.5 trillion right now, okay? So it, it worries me, it upsets me, but I have to remind myself that this is the only reason why hopefully I'll be able to go all in at 130, 140, 150, hopefully in the next month or two. Um, levered, I'm going in levered, I'm buying options. Uh, I'm buying my options. I think I'm going to time them like early to mid next year. I think the bulk of the, of the reveal of what the hell is happening with this humanoid, he's, it's going to happen in the next 12 to 15 months and people are going to crap their pants when they see it. And I think, all of that value is going to rush just like it did back in early EV days. The We're going to go through a press cycle with humanoids because it's not just Tesla. It's not just Tesla. We now have multiple companies um, that came out. You know, that other company just partnered with BMW, huge. So uh, BMW, I think it's an exclusive. So they're putting all their chips with BMW. I have a feeling that BMW is going to probably acquire them. And put out their own humanoids. And I think what's going to happen is every OEM and auto manufacturer is going to start to acquire all these private humanoid companies in the next two years. And there's going to be like a race and Tesla's going to be like light years ahead, obviously. Uh, but it will hit the press cycle. Then it will hit it'll hit the business press cycle. And then it will hit investors. And there's going to be there's going to be a FOMO event unlike we've ever seen FOMO in our lifetime. Bigger than crypto, bigger than EV. Here's the one place, the only place that I agree with you on, I hate to say the only, but the biggest one is that of any of these AI robotics companies, they've got the easiest access to capital, right? So, so to actually make it happen. 
And that's so, the that's and all of this stuff just requires capital. Agreed, but it's not just capital, Jordan. It's manufacturing capacity and expertise. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like the so when I say capital, I just mean the ability to actually make it happen yeah. at scale. And okay, an extreme so, history of artificial intelligence, like all right. they, they just have the pieces lined up to to just dominate. Okay, so the figure CEO was interviewed. This is the, this is the humanoid company that partnered with BMW this last week, the mm -hmm. and this is the guy that raised. Like, guy, he's very vocal on Twitter. He puts out videos that are very impressive. I I think if if you could invest in that, I would. Right. Uh, I tr I'm trying to find shares. There's no shares because it's a brand. Literally, the company's 18 months old. Okay, yeah. there there's no shareholders that are just out there selling shares. Um, like that other robotics company I'm going to trying to get us into, but he he's been, if you watch the interview that he did with the Tesla guy that interviewed me two days before him, um, it's fascinating because his number one concern, like it's not AI, it's not it's not training data sets, it's like everything is flipped. His number one concern is manufacturing. He's he's like that's all he thinks about. It's all he cares about is how how he's going to be able to actually scale these, because he's looking at a scenario where he's putting out thousands of them. They're building, I think, a manufacturing facility to put out thousands. They will only be able to put out thousands a year. It's yeah. a joke. It's a joke. And and we've seen like Aptronic, like none of these other humanoid companies can scale at all. Like Jordan at all. So Tesla is not. Yeah, even I agree. I mean, you're you're talking about like you know, in the case of some of these companies, they're going to be limited to pumping out tens of robots. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, this unless they invest, year, unless they you know start investing significantly into manufacturing, right? Which I think that, but but doing that implies that they have a finalized design that they're ready to, to manufacture, right? And so I think you're they're all going to be very close to finalized designs within twelve. Uh, months 12 to 18 months um maybe that's the v1 they're like there yeah the only thing the only thing that they're they're focused on right now is like the training data set so there there are some breakthroughs in ai with robotics <clears throat> robotics training data sets that i've seen where they're training they can train the robots in a virtual environment using ai yeah. um there's other companies ready for this that you can train the robots by having $2 an hour employees in India doing the jobs remotely. They're just removing the amount of, um, of time lag, you know? And so they could have humans on the line controlling the robots. And then the AI is learning what the human's doing in the robot form and using that training data. Mm -hmm. All this is going to happen over the next two years. So none of them seem to be that worried about it, but yeah. they're worried about being able to actually handle the demand of producing these freaking robots. Because Which, by the way, that, that Optimus video you saw of the uh, robot folding a t-shirt, that was being yeah. controlled by a human folding a t-shirt, yes. doing it remotely. And But if that's a training mechanism, uh, the robot being able to just watch a YouTube video and learn how to do something, I mean, these things, these things are going to have different multiple methods of like data entry and it is just remarkable how like ai is going to yeah nvidia it, learn how to think 
NVIDIA is getting really serious about robotic training sets to robotic AI too. And they're like allocating a lot of resources to this at NVIDIA. Yeah. So it, this, this is happening. And which, like, which by the way is another thing that uh, Elon said on the earnings call. Basically, Dojo is not uh, is not ready for prime time, and who knows if he's sandbagging or or what, but or just trying to stay in good graces with Nvidia because they have a lot of uh, dependence on on getting that processing power. Yeah, Elon yeah, is basically know. just saying. Everything an engineer would say without putting any kind of a marketing spin, like it's going to be okay kind of spin. He was just being honest. And I think that like when you, you need to listen to this earnings call. Yeah, I, 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 I will. Um, but he did, I didn't even know he mentioned Optimus on it at all. Did he say, what did he say? He mentioned Optimus. He, he, he was asked about it and he was uh, kind of asked for a timeline, I think. And he said 25, late 25. That's I'm shocked. Some that level of delivery of an Optimus humanoid. Yeah, that's wild. I mean, I, I still have it at 27, but there will be a moment when the world wakes up to this, and it will be the coolest thing. I mean, it's still it's still kind of mind blowing. I had a long talk with Patrick. You know, Patrick, our friend Patrick, yesterday. Mm -hmm. He's he's all you know. He's all in Tesla, but. I was like, I still don't understand why people got as excited as they got about Tesla, the automotive company. Like, I know it's the EV's cool. I know it's an experiential thing and stuff. But at the end of the day, it's a car. And it's just like, I, I never really felt any sort of emotional excitement. Even when I drove a Tesla, I thought it was cool. But humanoids, dude, like. Yeah. I mean, this is going to rock the world unlike we've ever seen any product in our lifetime. Because if you think about the evolution of the internet and computers, it happens so slowly over time. Like it wasn't like an all thing that happened in one year, right? Or two years. It just kind of slowly evolved. Now the iPhone was a moment, right? But even that Gen 1, that, I say the Gen 1 iPhone I, I would be the humanoids core. are going to be the same way. It's going to be a moment when when you start to see individuals with their humanoid and, and more prominently you see manufacturing having uh, humanoids instead of dedicated single-use robots that are just doing one thing in the, in the factory. That's going to be a moment, but it's also going to be an evolution like the internet where... Yeah. You're yeah, I think the evolution humanoid and post humanoid and warehouses. I don't think you see somebody like walking one down the mall with a leash or something. I think it's but eventually you will, and that you will, will be but I think you will have seen them on news broadcasts and on the internet and on YouTube in industrial and factory and warehouse settings, and you'll have seen it for a couple of years before you start to see them like walking down the road. Oh yeah, we so will get them. They'll already be accustomed to it. They'll understand, like, okay, well, these things are just around, and they're generally safe around people. Before you yeah. actually start to see them around, but even that's yeah. going to be an like a, a slow process because before we have right. like one walking around, we're going to see what you say. Like we're going to see it in factories, but but then, yeah, the first hundred thousand are going to ship, and you're still barely going to see them because it's just a hundred thousand amongst you know a lot of. I mean, you'll probably see them in, in populated areas and it'll be like exciting to see, kind of like it's exciting to see a cyber truck now. But it, over it, time, 10 years from now, it's going to become just a, like, what did we, 
What do we do before the iPhone? It's going to be, what did we do before we had humanoids? Yeah. Um, Dave, you're, uh, it's 100%. What I love is that I'm still, I read every comment on every humanoid, everything, and it, it's 95% think people think it's fake it's it's like and then and then the people that think it's going to happen it's like they keep bringing up boston dynamic uh, dynamics i'm like robotics, yeah. no one understands that that's not a commercialized company and they're not they don't even have any business model to make any human project that yeah. has been around for decades and that once a year puts out a cool video of a robot doing something remarkable that's but programmed to do something programmed it is rehearsed it takes yeah. them 30 takes to get it to like perfectly flip and land yeah it, it's not a competitor they're not producing robots for earth like not they're they're not even going to be part of the equation like it's not it's not even part of the conversation and the have fact you seen that any uh, drone deliveries by the way i think they're doing them in texas now i have not seen any i haven't heard of that i think it's walmart that is doing drone deliveries I saw videos, but I never believe that stuff. I always like, feel like that's another thing. Like, is that ever going to be? Uh, that just does not seem as effective as well, even just a self-driving no, car. No, I think it's more effective. Look, the you've got to realize that the as far as energy waste and pollution and all of these negative, like the last mile is your least efficient mile for product delivery. And so, if they can do that with a super small compact package with a drone i think i think it makes sense you think it actually makes sense and it could become I do. I think, you know, for, that. for everything but yeah i think i think if you can make that last mile more efficient yeah jordan nobody wants to see thousands of droids flying over their homes and their backyards no, chris think about it you have one that can, like right now i have seven delivery trucks drive past my door every day i watch it if it is had, annoying. If you had literally three drones, like one for each company, you had a Prime drone, you had a Walmart drone, you had a FedEx drone, and then once a day they just come and do 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 do. Like it would be way. Wait, no, they but can't they carry. They're not gonna have enough payload capacity, so they have no, to keep. But, like, but, but most of the time, look, I agree. They can't. They're not gonna drop off, like you know your your toilet paper subscription. But when you're when you have these little like this little piece of clothing or whatever, like most of the time you're not getting huge deliveries. Yeah, the huge delivery, you're still going to have the van come. But for like little smaller deliveries, instead of, you know, instead of wasting a van trip or van stop. So do you think they'll carry more deliver the bigger things? It just seems like more of a novelty to have a drone yeah. drop off in your yard. No, I think yeah. I, I, I think you're just saying, okay, for the big deliveries, we continue with the vans. And then for little things and to try to optimize what the vans are doing, we can just throw out a okay, few letter size things from the drone. But I see more vans that are autonomous, autonomously driven eventually that have humanoids in them that are delivering the packages to your door. Ser yeah. Like seriously, they're picking like that's the that's the easiest kind of use case. They're and by the way, I hadn't even thought about that for humanoids yet. What? But could you, like, Wait, what's dude, humanoids? They're they're great at picking up boxes and walking and placing things and like no, dude. You the biggest 
the biggest cost there is the cost of the driver who's going around. I mean, that those people make a ton of money. No, no, you're right. No, 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 you're right. It's not the cost, but I'm talking about pollution and things like that. Um, you know, well, and by the time you by the time you factor in wear and tear in the vehicle and fuel costs and things yeah, like what, that, I don't know. I mean, I bet it probably gets pretty close. But how about when you have hyper efficient, autonomously driven EV delivery vehicles with with you know, battery operated. An Amazon know, Rivian van with an Optimus in the back to run out and deliver the package. Yeah, I think you just have to figure out how much of the, yeah. I mean, there's there's a there's an, there's a set of equations here that are going to minimize whatever the out power it takes to deliver to your door. But and whether also, that be in a van or whether that be with a drone, I think that it could be different for different situations. Yeah. Maybe there's a use their own drone instead of having an Optimus. They'll probably have their It'll own. It'll never be 100% replacement. All I'm saying is it could be something. Yeah. Think about but, this. What if the van was the base station for the drone and the, and the van's driving around and it's just deploying these drones into little places, right? And then it's yeah. doing the... the drones run around and deliver the packages and then run back to the van and sit on their charging port. Yeah, you know, I was going to say, Dave, the thing about the humanoids is you're not going to have one on a truck. You're going to have five on a truck. Yeah. So, like, the, the truck's going to stop in the middle of the road, and the five humanoids are going to get out and do the whole well, no, it's street. Gonna be like two, it's going to be two humanoids that are, like, walking around delivering the big packages, and then it's going to take three drones are going to take off and, like, and then drop all the small oh, packages. Then oh, Jordan, then that awesome. I could see happening. Yeah. Like a, a humanoid in the van loading packages onto the dolly so that another one can go run it into the building. Like, yeah, and then they all come back in, they plug in, and then they drive to the next place, right? And they get they recharge their batteries, and then boom, it's... No, 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 no. What Jordan just said actually makes sense for drones. Now, if the drones are delivering from the truck, yeah, that makes way more sense than like having them go all the way back to some place a go mile away and then do yeah. one at a time. Yeah, you have a mobile have delivery. Some kind unit, of a robot. Right? So instead of one person delivering packages one at a time, it's just like it hits a neighborhood. It's like boom, spreads it all out, comes back, and then your next neighborhood. The drones do the heavy stuff. I mean, excuse me, the, the humanoids do the heavy stuff. Yeah. The drones do the time. Yeah, that that would be great. Yeah. That would be that'd be phenomenal. It'd be a baller project to work on, by the way, if you're an engineer for Amazon. Yeah. But but Here's the thing, and I don't know if I told you guys this, but like when you look back 60, 70 years ago at what we did with our lives, like it seems so unbelievably stupid. Like the amount of time 95% of our life was wasted typing on a typewriter and doing just things that are completely obscene. I'm talking obscene. So, like, think about today, right now, Dave. How much time in 25 years, once we have the humanoids everywhere in every home, you're going to look back at 2024 and think the amount of time that we spent cleaning the home, doing kitty litter, washing dishes, putting dishes away, taking trash out, uh, picking up the house. Sounds like you just described a housekeeper. Don't you have someone who does that? You're waiting for like a cable person or like some delivery or whatever. No, 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 Dave. Can't leave your house because you have to be there. The drone. Oh my God. But Dave, I'm not spending any time doing any of the things you just described. No, Dave, I'm not talking about deep cleaning. Literally, laundry. How much time you spend doing and laundry? Zero. Zero minutes per week. 
that's BS. I have laundry. I have Priscilla come. Oh, all right. Most of the world doesn't live like you, but <laughs> um, the the th the thing is, how about like I'm cooking, cooking, cooking? How much time do we waste preparing food, cooking? Food? Zero minutes per week. Like, you live an abnormal life. <laughs> I know. I live very abnormal life. I don't know what I'm going to have my humanoid do. It's probably just going to hang out with me and be a buddy <laughs> to talk to. Okay, but Dave, how far you you have to drive to a restaurant and do? And I know you enjoy it, and I enjoy going to restaurants too. But if you could have a Michelin star breakfast and a Michelin star lunch and a Michelin star dinner in your home, and I know you would still go out to restaurants sometimes, but just imagine having. Hold on, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna burst your bubble on Michelin restaurants real quick. It's not that great. It's weird. Like it's it's I a weird dining okay. a robot like, making a delicate little. Uh, yeah, no, forget about no. The Michelin is BS, Chris. Like okay. not everything needs to be a luxury. Some I just can it just make some tacos, right? Sometimes you just want a burger, right? You don't need a Michelin experience every day okay. of your life. By the if way, every time robot. I go to a Michelin restaurant, which is like not that often, I'm super annoyed the whole time. Okay, but Jordan, burgers, burgers. Let's talk about burgers. Let's yeah. say that you could have the world's top 100 burgers and your humanoid would know how personal to favorite. Your personal favorite, whichever place yeah. you think does it the well, best. No I, just want, no, I don't want a personal favorite. I want to load five and I want to say, we're going to rotate through these because yes. I don't want to get yeah. tired of burgers. And that's Fine. what your robot would learn to do. And I yeah. do see that as a use case, but I also still enjoy going to the places. Now, what I would be able to do is get the my favorite pizza from chicago made by my robot in the house and i would be able to get my favorite burger from texas and i'd be able to get my favorite sushi from california ever dave you can get everything anything that you want the age of abundance like the it, like i i was laughing when i first the first time i saw age of abundance and now I, i've been thinking about it for a week straight if, and it seems now you fully we, you fully moved into the age of abundance. Dave, if we don't destroy ourselves politically or geopolitically, like it's happening. It's there's no there's no getting around it. The age of abundance, it's coming like a freight train. And you, you're gonna look back at 2000. You said the age of abundance. So here let's push back on that a little bit. So the age of abundance might come, or we might be uh putting ourselves in a really bad situation as far as agriculture is concerned because of the monocrop situation that we've got in North America. We, we monocrop, Europe monocrops, and I've heard, I have not researched this, it's on my to-do list, that we are just wearing out our topsoil, right? And that we've already lost some like 60% of the, 60, 70% of the topsoil um, well, that's because industrial farming has to do it that food. way. But what if you had what if you had individual robots that could plant the old-fashioned way, where you're doing just your own personal, like small personal gardens? Yes, maybe. Yeah, so robotics. I mean, really, you really needed like crop rotation and stuff like that. Maybe humanoids can do that. I don't know. They, they can do whatever humans do. Like they could they could treat farming instead of doing it the industrial way, where there's an entire field doing nothing but corn for corn syrup. You could just have like smaller patches that are used for individual things. I don't know. It, it just seems Genius. like that might be something that robots would be able to solve. Dave, your Michelin star chef, Dave, is going to prepare all of your fresh gar vegetables in your backyard. 
dude, it is. I'm telling you, this is happening. So, Jordan, I was going to call you yesterday about this because I was like, I, I was trying to figure this out. I was thinking about the age of abundance, and you're exactly right. My concern was well, it wasn't a concern, it was more of an opportunity. I was like, if we are able to have these bots, and I know that this is happening now, it, I just know it is, and they're going to do everything for us, literally everything then where is the biggest opportunity beyond obviously investing in the bots and everything that goes behind them? Is it land? Is it, is the value of land for like natural resources is what I'm getting at? Like, like is, is like farming and natural resources. Is that, does that become incredible? Like if the whole it's world. Either, yeah. So it's land or do we start to move away from like agriculture in land and start doing it? in a different way if you yeah if you can basically instead of requires physical space but you know there's what about like direct you know nutrient delivery to plants and you do it through water or something you don't need topsoil i i don't know i mean there, there's got to be breakthroughs in that if we're we have the hydroponic farms that got big for a while um, and we could. But what happens use... when you don't even need to eat, and you your sensation of eating is done by a Neuralink transmitter right to your brain, so that you feel like you're eating something good, and you have your Apple Vision 12 on, and so you feel like you have gone to a fancy restaurant in your favorite city, and so nothing. We become Wally. Uh, th that I'm 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 too old to experience that. We'll be dead. I, I, that's too much. The humanoid well, revolutions. Who knows? We'll get, we're going to get to see the humanoid revolution. I'm not going to get to see that. But I do have a question for you. That uh, the headset has anyone? How many people have been reviewing the headset? I've been staying on top of it. Or is it just the core reviewers so far? Nobody, or you're talking about the Apple headset? Yeah. Yeah. They've they've given reviewers access only like in an Apple setting. They have yeah, nobody's had free filed. access to it, and they've all reported that it feels a little weird that they I have mean, like a team of people watching where their eyes move and you know how they interact with the device. But it's yeah. supernatural. It's it's the the I've heard that yeah. the eye tracking is just it it feels natural and it doesn't have a learning curve, and you basically look at something and you this is this by the way is the new click, and yeah. you just like pinch and grow and drag and. That's what I've heard. Mine on the second is like. like Chris, are you getting yours the second or the third? I, I don't know, but I ordered it the second it went on. I was like, I had my alarm set, and I was like, I, I didn't even look at the delivery date. Did did it give it to me? Yeah, I would have. You would have picked a. You would have picked oh. a pickup day, or no, no, no. it shipped. It would have been in the second. I'm getting mine at the store. At the store. Okay. Well, you you would have had a, a pickup time window, a thirty minute window that you're supposed to go to the store. Uh, I did have a 30 minute window. You're right. Let me, let me see what it, I didn't, I was so tired, Dave. I went right back to bed the second I had done it. I like, I ordered it and I went back to bed. Uh, I'm driving were... back up to California to get mine. They won't have them here. There's not an Apple store anywhere near me. San Diego is the closest one. Yep. I'm going to, uh, the Ote Ranch location. Nice. It's a nice store. I've been there. I love San Diego. All uh, right. Should we wrap up? We were literally just. We're okay, still. Hold on. Remember, hold on. we're still on. This is not just us. February, se February 2nd, it says. Yeah. Oh, wait. Wait. That's release day. What time? 
2 p.m. on the second. Perfect. That's when I get mine. So we'll we'll be able to do our FaceTime call, um, avatar to avatar. It'll be great. Wait. So did you get two? No, I just got one. Okay. So you're gonna open it. Oh yeah. All right. All right. Did you nice. get two? No, I just got one. Let's go one. So you're gonna open. That would have been crazy. That would have been crazy. I I almost ordered. I tried to get Megan to buy one, and then she said, "Well." She thought it was 500 and not 5,000. So she decided she didn't want one. Oh my gosh. Um, all right. Uh, are people, it's, it'll still be good to know them. someone so that we can have a virtual. Uh, I think that I think FaceTime is still like a, an avatar of you talking to an avatar of the other person. So it'll be interesting. Jordan, we can have you join by video into our FaceTime world. I am not interested in your weird uh, goggle world. Y'all do that. Y'all do that together. And all. Uh, I think that there's an output so that we can use it as I'll a resource. So I'll, we'll try yeah. to do a show with us as our avatars. We might have to do it like some FaceTime. Lex Friedman did that with uh, with Zuckerberg. Did you see that? Yep. Yeah. Great. Uh, Dave, let me know if you need me to go pick get anything at your house or anything when you're out there packages I think, I think i have everything on hold but the let me just like let me just check on it can you see through cameras and stuff do you yeah, need to check my front porch i don't okay. think there's anything there all right but I'll, I'll let you know all right i am very late for my uh coffee appointment with my dog so yeah i already had mine you you saw jimmy uh up on my lap during the show i haven't even showered yet dude i gotta go shower i gotta do my cold <laughs> yeah. shower and the water yeah, is so cold right now. It's insane. It's too cold for a cold shower right now. I, Dude, I Jordan, Jordan, I take my shower and I swear to you, it's cold. Boom. As cold as it goes on my head and neck for a full minute. The first 10 seconds, I think I'm going to actually die. Yeah, I uh, might actually black out. That sounds well, miserable. Do you do... Uh, I, I can't even imagine that. Do you have this cold shower like from just getting in, it's immediately cold, or do you have a hot shower? No, 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 I have a normal hot shower. Is you, take a, you take your normal shower, and then you just dump it over to the cold side, and you stand there, and you just let it, and then you, the worst is when you turn around, let it hit your back. Yeah. That's the worst part, actually. Yeah. Well, yeah. What, what is, what is this? Good? is unbearable. But you the back of your neck. The back of your neck. And you're not picking the whole back up, and you come out of it, and you feel amazing, right? But How, it's, why, it's what does it do? How does it Dave, Dave, okay, so Dave, it 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 allows. Um, there's a chemical drop from your brain that happens that basically is kind of like the equivalent of doing a line of cocaine. Um, <laughs> it's the greatest thing in the world. Um, it just does not sound like. First of all, it doesn't seem like it would be a cocaine-like experience to be doused in cold water. It's 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 unbelievable, Dave Jordan. When you get out of the shower, is it not? the greatest you so thankful you did you're just like i am ready for the day yeah. this is and so what happens so i what i've been doing is it's like major endorphin release major endorphin release but what i've been doing is meditate trying to work slow breathing into it and i heard that if you do that like after the first 15 seconds i try to do like slow my breath down because otherwise like you're like dying um but what it does is it trains your body for high stress situations so you don't get stressed out anymore like anxiety that normally would hit you yeah. for certain things that happen in your life 
you're so trained to handle that. You're like brain chemistry that you just are always more relaxed. It's, it's phenomenal for me at least. And also there's a cortex that they've discovered in your brain that every time you do something that you don't want to do, it gets bigger and professional athletes have like, this is through Huberman. This I just learned this from him, but professional athletes, it's shown to be larger and people that, that live longer tend to have a larger one of these cortexes. So it, it, they think it might train your ability. Naturally. I, I have so little stress in my life that I, I don't think I need to have a cold shower. Well, just... that's why you need this because you need to do it. something that you don't want to do because yeah. this trains your body to fight off theoretically disease. And like when you get into a bad situation at some point in your life later, like this cortex allows your body to like fight. It's almost like an immunity builder, right? So Dave, this winter, my kids and wife were sick horribly, multiple times. I slept next to my wife, coughing in my face multiple times. You know how I used to get sick for three months a year. I have not been sick one time with people coughing at me, kids. That, like, it's crazy, dude. My immunity is so high right now. And I think a lot of it, some of it's the intermittent fasting, but I think a lot of it or like could be these cold showers. I don't know. I'm just telling you, it's just, it's happening. Okay. You want to hear about a weird medical treatment? I used to get allergies, like seasonal allergies and just be stuffy and like feel yeah. bad maybe twice a year. Not, not all the time, not enough to worry about allergy shots or anything. I went to this like witch doctor, uh, voodoo medicine thing where they Mexico? Post, no no this is in the states this is a dude in downtown dallas who has an office and this is what he does i can't remember what it's called but he basically does this like like chopping treatment on your back like a weird like massage kind of thing and then you hold a glass vial containing allergens and then you lay down and meditate holding this thing and it and it Tells your body that it's okay to be in around that. I have not. I did this. I did this a year or so ago. I have not had allergies at all since doing this. Wait, but if, if it's in a glass vial, I heard it on TikTok. It has to be true. It's the, <laughs> wait, wait. it's the essence of that of that thing that you hold on to. And then, if that's not weird enough, I, I don't know. It's it's like some extract essence. Wait, wait. Does it get into your skin though, or does it like? No, is it a glass? It it, it's it just, just all mental. It's got to be the energy of that allergen. Dude, forget it. I would have never so anybody talks about it at a all. human or plant's uh, energy or their frequency. I check out. It's some sort of. It is exactly. It's an energy or frequency, and I don't know what it is. And I didn't believe it. Yeah. Someone I know did it, and it and said it changed their life. They they had terrible allergies, and so I'm like, well you had terrible allergies and you don't have allergies anymore. I might as well give this a shot and try it. And I did. And I'm, I, I didn't believe it. I just went through like seven little treatments. It's like 20 minutes at a time. I did it seven times and it's a couple hundred bucks each time you go. I thought, well, you know, this is just total BS. There's no way this is going to work. Uh, and, and I, and I didn't feel any different. It's not like I like, Oh yeah, I feel great. No, you, I just thought, okay, that was a waste of money, but I have not had any kind of that, that like, weird. <laughs> any symptoms of allergies since. Could it be that you live on the ocean now? 
<laughs> no, this is also in Dallas during allergy season. You know when that green stuff falls out of the trees and it just coats your patio? I used to always have bad, like, itchy eyes every time that happened. Okay, and, so and I did not have it this last year. I will say my allergy shots saved my entire life. That when I did them for two years, because I remember I would be sick from November to February every year of my entire life. That's when I lived in New York, Dallas, and LA. Even when, remember the LA days? Uh -huh. I was remember when I wouldn't drink any alcohol all winter, and you're like, I was like, I just can't. My throat is so sore. I just can't drink when my throat's sore all winter long. That's not normal. And those allergy shots, dude. Or a free, and I don't know if it's. If you want to stop the shots, if you'd want to not have to do shots ever again, I've got a guy. All right, all right. Will, I, I, I used to do magic. Tour like I remember every year, and for some reason, I just it just stopped. I don't know why. Well, I didn't do anything. Maybe you had some uh, energy vibes that went your way unexpectedly. Maybe your fee transferred to my fee. It's possible. Yeah. Could have been um, the same thing. <laughs> all right. So I, I got to go torture myself in the cold shower right now. All right. Uh, somehow 453 people stuck around for this. Crazy. Right. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Extended episode. All right. People want to see behind me. This right. is, um, let me oh, just. It's incredible. It's actually a oh, green it's screen. So, so, you know, it's not real. <laughs> more view. Um, here, I'll just show you, show you this. This is this is not a fake backdrop. This is yeah. live. Uh, that's my that's my office view for those of you at home. Do people uh, surf out there, Dave? You uh, you can't surf here because it's all rocks. Like okay. literally, my my house crashes into a rocky uh, area. That's my that's my yard. But those are those are rocks right there. Uh, but you can surf. Uh, just like two minutes that way. There's a nice sandy beach. And you can also, less surfing, but there's a sandy beach that way too. Nice, nice. All right, man. So nice. Well, I'm in the cold shower, so. All right, have fun. Later, and guys. For everybody at home, thanks for watching. We are wait, done. Are we at 100% or do I, need to, do I need to wait? Oh, yeah, you might need to wait just so that we can uh, have right. our TikToks made. I'll wait. Okay. I just want to see if how, how in sync this is. Ready? And, and this is it. Thanks for watching. Bye-bye.